In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. These holy words of St. Ignatius of Loyola are no mere petition. Certainly the petition, the Lord, but do so within a framework of adoring him at the same time. So often our personal prayer is mere petition, which is really focused on self. So much of our prayer is even just simply thinking about ourselves in the presence of God. How different it is then when our focus is on God. We can still petition, offer prayers of thanksgiving, offer prayers of reparation, but our focus is on him and not on ourselves. That distinction helps explain why some people think they can be anywhere on a Sunday morning and pray, and other people know that the only place one ought to be is where the sacrifice is being offered. We can pray anywhere, and we ought to pray anywhere and everywhere. But adoration requires vision, being able to see the one whom we adore, And that happens only here in the sanctuary, wherever a priest is offering the holy sacrifice at an altar. Without understanding that distinction, we don't understand what happens in the sanctuary. Consider in the Old Testament, during the exiles, the Jews had places where they could pray and teach and learn the word of God. But the synagogue is very different from the temple where the sacrifice is offered, the only place where the sacrifice can be offered. And so some Christians, in effect, spend their Sunday mornings in synagogues, praying, reading the word of God, doing good things, but not being present where the Lord is adored, where he becomes present where he can be seen in his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Blessed Sacrament. A sanctuary in which we approach, which is already holy. It is not only a place where he will come to be present sacramentally, but where he already is super substantially in the most blessed sacrament, reserved in the tabernacle, ready to be brought to the sick and to the dying. We enter a place which is already holy. Some of you know that I grew up at St. Ambrose Church in Annandale, Virginia. When I was young and have my first memories of attending Mass, we were in the gymnasium of the school. The altar was located on what would become the stage. When I was only six years old, the pastor undertook building a church, a dedicated church, to which my parents contributed nary a dime. If you look at it, it really looks like a pizza hut. And if you look at it from above or from within, it's more like a football. And when it was designed, the middle of the football had nothing. There were pews on the one arc and pews on the other arc. There's a pulpit at one end of the football, 
At the other end of the football was the altar, and way back, almost hidden, was the tabernacle. The subsequent pastor, the chancellor of the diocese, Monsignor Reinach, whose chalice I usually use at weekday mass and many Sunday masses, undertook a slight modification. He didn't redecorate. That wasn't his forte. He just simply moved the, the cube block white marble altar to the middle of the church. Years later, I had a chance as a young priest to talk to a much older priest, one for whom I have great admiration and affection, but with whom we came to a disagreement about what Monsignor Reinick did with that altar. Because the, 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 the fond old priest said, before, when the altar wasn't there and it was empty, that's where the people could see each other, and, and that's where you encounter God. And that's really true. I mean, it's a really beautiful and pious and lovely thought and perfectly appropriate in Pizza Hut. <laughs> in the world, we encounter each other and we encounter God. We should have real reverence for each other, for every human being. But in the church, in the sanctuary, it's taken to another level. We do encounter each other, hopefully helping each other pray, but not for the purpose of interacting with each other, but for the primary purpose of this interplay between God and his creatures, between God the Father and his adopted children. And when we enter into this arena, we do so knowing that there is a promise and there is a warning. The promise is one of being part of the sacrifice of Christ offering up his body and blood, of intimate communion with God himself. The warning is that coming close to him without being prepared will lead to our damnation. St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians chapter 11, which we just heard, is worth your hearing in the vernacular. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner be, will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. The text continues, this is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened so that we may not be condemned along with the world. 
We must examine ourselves. We do examine ourselves. We examine our conscience, hopefully on a daily basis. St. Ignatius would have his sons do so at midday as well as at the end of the day. And these examines then make it possible for us in approaching the Holy Mass to know if we are preparing to receive Holy Communion or not. Whether or not we need to make sacramental confession before being able to receive Holy Communion. And if so, then we not only prepare ourselves spiritually to receive Holy Communion, we prepare ourselves physically by observing the fast. The modern fast required by canon law is such that you would have had to put down your ham sandwich about 45 minutes ago. But if we keep the older fast, two hours, four hours from the moment we wake up, our day is entirely directed at the mystery of communion with our Lord's body and blood. It's precisely out of respect for this warning by St. Paul that so many people are not at Sunday Mass. Now, granted, some are at the beach and are going to Mass there. Some are coming later at 5 p.m. But in general, in a parish such as this, we should have three times, four times as many people. There are many reasons why some people are not here besides lack of faith and having defected from the church. There are those who, who find themselves in a quandary of conscience, who wish they could come, who wish they could receive the sacraments, but know that they can't at that moment. There are those who simply just simply need to go to confession. But knowing that they may not receive Holy Communion out of respect, in an ironic way, they don't come to Mass. The prevailing culture in an English-speaking church is very different from that in a multilingual setting. Consider my brother's parish, St. Anthony's, in Falls Church. There we would see a church relatively full, and at Communion time, relatively few people coming up to receive Holy Communion. Again, out of respect for this warning issued by St. Paul, so as not to bring condemnation upon themselves. Certainly the ideal would be for everyone to be in the state of grace and for everyone to receive Holy Communion. But at the very least, what sign of faith and devotion do we see in those who come to pray and worship even when they are not able to receive? And therein lies, perhaps, an invitation that we can extend, a way that we can welcome people by reminding them that when we come here to church, we're not coming primarily to receive something. We're not primarily coming here to get someone, even. We come primarily to give, to love, to adore, to pray, to worship. And none of us are worshiping the Lord perfectly even if we're in full communion with the church, even if we are in the state of grace, we don't worship him as he deserves to be worshipped, but we try. 
In fact, when we recognize our own spiritual poverty, we realize we have nothing of ourselves to give the Lord. There is nothing proper to us that pleases him. The only thing that does is God himself, which is precisely why we are at the altar offering the only gift which can please him, which is God himself, Christ his only begotten son, offered in love and sacrifice eternally. And so everyone ought to be here. Everyone ought to be lending their prayers and their love, as imperfect as it is. And so we need to encourage people to be present, to witness what takes place. As of this morning, the other masses that the parish altar will be offered facing the tabernacle and facing the cross. Should save the servers a little bit of confusion and needing to move the candles back and move the candles this way. It's a small change. It's subtle. But consider even in 1956 when this church was built, it was designed for the priest to be facing that direction. Why? Because everybody else is facing that direction too. Hopefully it can remind all of us that we come primarily to focus on God. We notice each other. We're grateful for each other's prayers. There's never a Mass where we don't mention not only the Holy Father and the bishop, but all the living and all here present standing around the altar. Well, recognize then that for our imperfect love and adoration, while we do pray to him and worship him, we also beg forgiveness for when we have not worshipped him well. And we certainly need to offer reparation for those who do not worship him at all. And so with those words that ring from Fatima, we pray, my God, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love thee. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love thee. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.